coming up on The Medicine Podcast. So when we work too hard to be the thing we're supposed to be, like never spend your alpha and omega practice trying to be the thing you're supposed to be, the ego has hijacked mm. spiritual concepts and is embedding fear and delusion in them. But when you allow yourself to rest into that which you already are, seer and feeler, and consciously split them apart, you can see how they tremble come together. And that's the game we're playing. You know, you have beautiful lovemaking, you see more of what is available on this incarnation, you bow and then you bring back your own inner marriage. Riverbanks meets river. Let's fucking create and do something really cool with this day. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi and I have my glorious partner in life and love and podcasting here with me. What is going on, everybody? This is Chase. We are extra excited today. It's a little extra special. Yes. Uh, this is this is definitely one that we've been looking forward to for a long time. We have two, two mentors in a lot of ways, uh, Justin and London. Welcome to the Medicine Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you, Chase. Thank you, Mimi. Yeah, we are excited. I was just saying right before I pushed, I pushed record. This is a bucket list interview for me um, because you two and your work have been so impactful in my life and our relationship. The coming back together, not that your work made me get back together with Chase or even pushed me that way, but what it did for me in so many ways is being a kind of a permission slip to deconstruct what I thought I knew about love, about sex, about relationships, about men and women, and then sort of relearn on purpose from people who you can look at and really admire their connection, their depth, and their spiritual and sexual intimacy. And as soon as I was turned on to this world of conscious relationship, from you guys and John Wineland and Alison Armstrong, I was like, I this is it for me. This is it. I have to have a partner who is in this work with me. And it just so happened to organically, you know, as Chase and I were getting back together, I was, you know, talking about these concepts and then we were able to talk about them together. And now we talk about these concepts all the time on our podcast to thousands of people. And so I just want to send a you know deep bow of gratitude your guys's way because um I don't I honestly don't know had I not gone to your guys's retreat in 2018 I don't know if Chase and I would be back together right now I don't know if we would be sitting here now so thank you thank you thank you Okay so our first question that we ask every guest is what do you love in your life, each of you? What aspect of your lives do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? There is an incredible experience of loving so much about your life that you genuinely wish there were more hours in the day. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean more hours because you're busy and frantic and you need more hours to get things done. I mean more hours in the way that you just are almost sad to see the sunset. Mm -hmm because there's so many aspects of your life that you are deeply in love with. And this work of sacred intimacy has opened that uh, revelation for me, 
where it's not merely we're learning how to be in a love relationship with our intimate partner, but we're learning how to be in a love relationship with all of life. And we learn through our intimate relationship what that could look like. Our partner becomes our teacher, but ultimately it translates into our relationship with life, our relationship with God, the divine, our relationship with death, our relationship with purpose until each one of those relationships becomes a loving relationship. And when there's that true love there, that true intimacy and ecstasy, we have this profound experience that feels a little sad each time the sun goes down, which the day could be a little longer. And if everyone could experience that flavor of life maybe once or maybe every day, that would be something I would wish upon the world. Mm. I love that. Sort of the antithesis of working for the weekend. <laughs> what about you, London? I can honestly say that there's a lot of things I love about my life, but when I think about what I would want to gift, one of the things I love most about my life is the alchemy aspect. Um, a simpler way of saying it is like fights that end in lovemaking, mm. where you know, the shadow pieces are always dancing into the field, right? And when you learn, especially with your lover or with your child, how to have density and karmic knots, when you learn how to meet them so powerfully that they don't just unwind, but they turn into empty bliss. Like, they turn with Justin into deep fuck. This is the process we're in every single day together because of our practice. And so it's like, you know, if I wake up and I'm fraught with anxiety, rather than kind of having a psychological approach to that, where I'm like analyzing it and I, you know, like I do a much more sexual yoga approach where I bring it into our practice. And then the next thing you know, it's the energy that we're using to have a massive orgasm. Holler. That's yeah. Right. And, and that's our daily practice. So what happens is you don't have to fear the density anymore and you don't have to suffer the loneliness of a disconnection. You know, it's, it's hard when you have a deep love of your partner, when you guys don't feel connected, when you feel the rift and the ruptures it can ruin your day, you know, like if you give them the power to ruin your day and having that sexual yogic repair mechanism where it's not just made right. It's made ecstatically awakening to the divine. And, and that's what I would want to gift because then you're not afraid of anything. Mm -hmm. Then everything's included. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Love that. And, and maybe segueing into this idea that monogamous committed partnership will just as, as essentially stale on the sexual intimacy side of things with age. Like why has that become so normal and almost like at least from the, the world that we came out of just expected and you evolve into this sort of just like partnership, like almost as if it's a business or something. You're like roommates. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reasons for this um, that we unpack in our book. So we go into great depth about this. This is really the basis of our new book, Playing with Fire. But the one, one of the ones I'd like to highlight right now is that when you swallow a no, 
you lose. Yes. Mm. And in intimate relationship, if you're not really paying attention, every little moment that you lose trust, but you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be inconvenient. So you just swallow that. No, guess where that no lives. Another brick in front of the Yoni, right? <laughs> or as a man, like, you know, um, you, she's reactive uh, on you, not responsive, but reactive. And, and it feels like a violation of truth, right? But you don't want to shame her expression. So you just swallow that no, right? Like, I want to encourage your expression. This feels like you're shaming, blaming, criticizing me, but hey, man, you're expressing. I'll just swallow that now. Well, guess what? You're just a little less aroused the next time you guys go to make love. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a course of a day, how many no's do you swallow in a day? <laughs> Maybe the kids are around. It's just not convenient to express that thing. Just swallow that now. You know, oh, this pattern always gets us in trouble. Let's just swallow that now. And couples just swallow and swallow and swallow. And the next thing you know, they're sitting at the cafe. The kids are away. And all they're doing is just scrolling their feed because they have no yes left. Mm -hmm. And so it's understandable to swallow the no. You try and be mindful. You try and be conscious. You try and be non-reactive. But there's better ways that are involved being aware and being sensitive and being equanimous. There's better ways to have the no find its proper place that brings you together rather than numbing you apart. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say in this and your last answer when you're talking about alchemy and and transforming, transmuting, everything is energy. <laughs> so if we're having, you know, if we're feeling energy in the in the, you know, kind of manifested as negative emotion, maybe it's stress or maybe it's, you know, disconnection or maybe it's anger at our partner or whatever, that's all energy and we can cultivate the tools like you guys lay out in your books to harness and work with that energy, almost like a little ball of clay where it's like, well, it's ugly right now, but I'm going to shape it. I got some beautiful tools in my tool belt. I'm going to shape this into something beautiful that I can then gift my partner. And now you've transmuted that energy into something beautiful and it can be expressed as, you know, <laughs> deeper connection or, you know, uh, maybe bringing like beautiful rage into your lovemaking and it adds energy and fire to, you know, the cauldron there. So that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. When we learn to meet these parts in ourselves and also these parts in our partner with love, compassion, presence, a true state of equanimity, that spaciousness that opens up suddenly creates permission for all parts to be there. And it's in that moment where suddenly a human being stops feeling like they're either too much or not enough. Because there's a narrative deep in the psyche of almost every human being alive that in some capacity relationship to another, the ways they behave, the ways they show up is either too much or not enough, too much or not enough, too much or not enough. And we get indoctrinated in that myth and when we relate to our partner in a moment of conflict, that's what it feels like, that what we're bringing is too much or not enough. We don't feel seen. We don't feel understood. We don't feel appreciated. That what we're bringing is a problem. So when we bring the gift to ourselves and to our partner of equanimity, of being present with what is, 
feeling, seeing the moment as is, not needing the moment to change, we become capable of holding the moment as it is, or suddenly feel loved, seen. It creates an opportunity for a lover to experience that they're not too much, Mm -hmm. that they are enough as they are. And that becomes the foundation for that sacred love to the alchemy that London was describing to take place. And then you have permission to play with all of the energies, no matter how dark, no matter how light, all energies are welcome inside of that space that is met with that loving equanimity. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for explaining that. And I, I want to pull on this thread a little bit because I read your your guys' first book, Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love. I've probably read it three times now, you know, quoted it hundreds of times probably. Um and it I, I thought it was incredible. It really lays out the the dynamic and the play that is available to all of us between the masculine and feminine, or as you call it, and I like to call it Alpha and Omega. And our listeners are well versed with, you know, these, you know, basic concepts of the masculine and feminine or alpha and omega. But your second book is different in that it doesn't you it doesn't necessarily start with polarity. And you lay out this genius roadmap. And it's such a beautiful visual. I just I absolutely love it. So you you started to speak about it, Justin, about equanimity and presence and, and awareness and sensitivity. Let's pull on that a little bit. I want to I want to give our listeners an idea of why and how how is this book different than your first and why was it necessary to write when Awakened Woman's Guide was incredible? The reason this book was necessary is because when we get pulled into this path, sacred intimacy, if we want to call it that, the thing that everyone first identifies and becomes really interested in is this idea of polarity, the mask and feminine. We'll get indoctrinated in that model. And in a sense, just hearing about that model is liberating in a certain way. It's like we're able to touch our essence in a different way. We're able to identify who we are and how we show up in relationship. We're able to see differences between us and our partner. We're able to honor those differences in a different capacity. <clears throat> But inside that model alone, where the primary focus is exclusively polarity and based on difference, we're missing a critical aspect of spiritual development that is required for real spiritual awakening. And in our practice together, London and I, in our practice, our goal here was never to be teachers or coaches. Our goal here was to walk this path seriously. This is our spiritual path. This is our spirituality. This is what we do regardless of whatever is going on in life. So our commitment is to understand what is the truth of the spiritual path and is polarity the absolute truth of this path? Is that the absolute crux of what we're here to understand and learn? And years of practice, years of study have revealed absolutely not polarity is not the most important part of this path and practice. In fact, polarity is a trap. Polarity is a trap. And we can dive more deeply into how it's a trap. Yeah. This book you. was, yeah, this book was written to help identify the trap of polarity. And that's why we're calling this book Playing with Fire. Because polarity is fire. 
Difference is fire. Desire is fire. I want is fire. When there's polarity present, you feel the difference, the profound difference between you and your partner. You, in fact, embody those differences intentionally to create intense desire between your bodies. That desire is fire. If it's not wielded with skillfulness, if there's not awareness, sensitivity, equanimity present, if there's not presence and selfless devotion present, you will be burned by that fire. Your desires will rage out of control and you think you're being liberated, but all that's changed is rather than wanting a confident, funny man, now you want a perfectly conscious man. Instead of wanting an attractive woman, now you want a goddess who's capable of surrendering to the divine. Your desire, you're not free from your desires. Your desires have just become more subtle and hijacked by spiritual concepts. So you're not liberated by polarity alone. In fact, you can be tormented by it. And if we don't understand how to work with fire in a way that is truly liberating, where we're liberated by this path that we're walking, then we become enslaved by it, imprisoned by it. We get met with shoulds. I'm not masculine enough. I'm not feminine mm. enough. My partner's not masculine enough. My partner's not feminine enough. All of that is trash. That is garbage. That is not unconditional love, nor is it absolute freedom. It is not the truth. The truth is your actual condition. This book was written to help those people interested in this body of work understand that we are playing with fire here. And if we actually want to walk this path in a way where we are liberated through our sexuality rather than imprisoned by it, we need to understand this foundation. What is awareness? What is sensitivity? What is equanimity? And those principles are not new. Those principles are 2,500 years old. They've always been instrumental in spiritual practices of meditation and yoga. But somewhere along the way, as we've created this new thing called Western sacred sexuality, we lost a lot of those elements in the practice. We lost the deeper understanding that equanimity must be present simultaneous with desire. And that is a paradox. And this book aims to explain that. Equanimity, I think it's it's um it's a unique term. Can you explain or define what you mean by equanimity? Equanimity is non-reactivity. So if you were to sit perfectly still right now and let your breath be perfectly natural, and suddenly you feel that your face is itchy, if you were to practice equanimity, you would not scratch your face. If you feel suddenly you want to take a deeper breath, but you don't take a deeper breath. You let your breath be natural and you feel the discomfort or the irritation. You're wanting to react. You're wanting the moment to be different. You're wanting to feel differently than you do, but you don't. You observe sensation instead and you do not react. That is how we practice and develop the skill of equanimity. If we were to think of equanimity in terms of like a mantra or a phrase, it would be the mantra of I allow. I allow this moment to be as exactly as it is. I allow. I allow what is, I allow. And that allowing is the perfectly surrendered state of meeting reality on reality's terms. And there's a great uh, Vipassana teacher, S.N. Goenka, who describes it as, experience reality as reality is, not how you would like it to be. Mm. And what we start to see as we practice these techniques, we become awakened to the fact that our entire MO is constantly trying to get more comfortable or manipulate the moment or manipulate the way that we're feeling. 
manipulate what our partners do and manipulate our situation. We're in a constant state of dissatisfaction with what is in the present moment. And that breeds reactivity. That very irritation in the nervous system is your activity. And when we're unconscious of it, that reactivity runs our life. It speaks for us. It informs our decisions. We get into a heated moment with our lover. They say something that triggers us. And then we just spew venom. That's reactivity. We don't have the capacity to actually be present with what is first. And at the moment, I allow this moment to be as it is. And that discipline of I allow, it takes a lifetime of practice to cultivate. It is said in spiritual traditions that that practice alone will liberate you spiritually. So it's no small um, assignment for us to take on as human beings to walk this path of equanimity. But if if this path of sacred sex is missing this element, then it is missing a critical foundational piece required for spiritual liberation. Your path will only be half potent. It will only have half. You'll know how to create magic tricks with polarity, but you will not understand how to become free inside of intimacy, inside of your sex, inside of your love. Liberation will not be there if equanimity is not cultivated. Mm. Mm. God, that's, that, so that's, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, that's so, you just completely nailed it. And it's, that's so transferable in like every lane of, of one's life. And if you're looking for vitality, having the ability to observe your compulsions and, and how they come up inside of you and and choose whether or not you'd like to give into that compulsion or not is is like ninja life skill across every lane. <laughs> no doubt. I'm uh I'm curious and you and and you mentioned, I think you put it, polarity is a trap. And so in 2023, if you're, you know, say it's someone like myself or many of our listeners who maybe they've read, and I'm speaking to, to mostly masculine or, or uh, the alpha in this scenario, maybe they've read like some David data and they're like, oh my God, mind-blowing. This is masculinity. This is described and articulated uh, in the perfect way. I, I totally resonate with this. Maybe for the first time. That was me like three years ago. Um, and then all of a sudden you, you start following like, you know, sacred masculine accounts on Instagram and you're getting like 10 ways to be masculine and you're swiping through and you're like, Oh, okay. These, this is how it's supposed to be. I need to be able to like build a house with my hands and, (laughs) you know, pound my chest and, and like, and you start taking on all of these masculine ideas because you've felt some resonance with this idea of polarity, but now you're, you're seeing that there's so many definitions on what that needs to look like that instead of like sitting in that for you and and developing and nurturing an expression of masculinity that feels authentic you're externalizing this idea and retrofitting yourself into others definitions is that what you mean by by a trap that's certainly a part of it for sure i mean the way you're describing like building a house with your hands in those instances people have collapsed the the term masculine with manliness Right. So if we want to talk about manliness, manliness is kind of this convention that we have. Right. It's kind of this sense we have culturally and each culture could vary, you know, on what manliness means culture to culture. But we have in we're getting more of a global culture now. So we're kind of sharing all these ideas. But manliness is a is a convention in a sense. It's an idea of what a man could or should be. And that can be inspirational. That can be fun. There's nothing wrong with pursuing manliness. Right. But it should never be confused with what we're talking about in the spiritual path. 
right? So in data's work and data's teaching, you know, we were longtime students of data, you know, studied where is it teaching assistance. So I understand his work intimately well, and his work opened a lot of pieces for me, instrumental, right? Now, when he's referring to the masculine, he's doing his best to kind of create a bridge between what he actually means by that and what can be understood by most men and women. Yeah. How do we understand that? And what happens is in order to get men and women to understand it, they've created this also a convention, this thing called masculine, which is an archetypal embodiment of energy, so to speak, or attributes, so to speak, that we're going to call this thing masculine. And people can start to see, oh, what does the masculine do? How does the masculine behave? How does the masculine show up? How does the masculine you know, step up in relationship? All of that becomes available. But we're, we're referencing it again as a convention, as an archetype. It's not real. It's not truth. Okay. It's not absolute truth. This is one of the primary reasons why London and I have adopted the terms alpha and omega. We coined those terms alpha and omega to liberate men and women, to get them to understand that this, this body of work is actually trying to teach you. Hey friend, I wanted to change the subject for just a minute to read something really important to you. This is feedback we received from a woman named Kelly, one of our amazing users of Immune Intel AHCC. She says, so I've been taking AHCC for a little bit over a month and my skin has never looked so good. I am 35 and have suffered from hormonal acne since I was a teenager. I thought I would never get rid of my acne. I just had my period and I have absolutely no pimples around my chin or jawline and my melasma is finally clearing up too. I have tried countless prescription and over-the-counter medications and have seen so many dermatologists with little improvement. Also, I feel like my hormones have balanced out. I am less irritable as well as less inflammation going on in my body, decreased back pain and bloating. I'm so glad I came across you on Instagram. Thanks for sharing the knowledge. Okay, here's one more, just because they light me up so much to share with you. This beauty is staying anonymous. She says, I learned about Immune Intel AHCC from you on a podcast, and in four months, it helped clear my persistent high-risk HPV that I've had for seven years. I love these two testimonials next to each other because it's a testament to the balancing and normalizing effect that AHCC has in each individual body. One woman was supported with her acne flares and the other had support in clearing her high-risk HPV. I am consistently amazed by the power and intelligence of AHCC. To try Immune Intel for yourself, go to themedicine.com forward slash products, or just check the show notes below. Cheers, my love. You are not merely consciousness and your lover is merely love's light. You are conscious light. Mm. Not separate. This is a non-dual spiritual path. And we have to approach this path with that recognition of understanding. Duality is the illusion we aim to overcome, not the fallacy we're trying to believe in. So when we understand this is a non-dual practice, well, what is the one half of that coin, so to speak? It's pure consciousness. Pure consciousness. 
and chase you up your consciousness. Mimi, you up your consciousness. I'm pure consciousness. Lung is pure consciousness. You are absolutely consciousness. So when we start to understand this body of work, we're pointing at that consciousness. But the problem with trying to point at consciousness is you can't point at it because it, you can't observe it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is the observer. So you can't point at consciousness and say, this is consciousness, this is. So what Data does in his books, and he's done very well, is he, he understands that. And he describes what it is when a man identifies with the aspect of himself that is that consciousness. What does he look like? Who does he become when he actually rests in his true essence as consciousness? And that's where we now get these archetypal definitions. And then social media has profoundly misunderstood and began collapsing these <clears throat> ideas of manliness and you know all of these tricks and treats. And now we get a very distorted view. So this book, Playing with Fire, is truly our best attempt to begin correcting any misunderstandings that may be present in these communities and these practices to help people truly understand what we are speaking to here, such that these become this path becomes a method of true spiritual practice where the goal is spiritual liberation. Mm. And it cannot take place if we're approaching this work based on the delusion that we are separate, that we are masculine partners, feminine, and that's that. That yeah. separation, that delusion is your prison, is your limit. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Just creates suffering. That's the sad part is you think you found the Holy Grail but you're actually in a ditch. Right. And you're just like, wait a minute. It's, and then sadly, because it's so close to the truth, you think there's something wrong with you. And then you just pursue it until you make your knuckles bleed. Is If you just rested in what's underneath that, then the expansion takes you. And when you do this together, you're developing both parts of yourselves, right? And when there's room in your relationship for both of you to develop both parts of yourself, now you can ascend. If you're going to put yourself in handcuffs and an artificial cast, you're not going to ascend and you're just, just going to be like, this isn't, this seems to be working for everyone else. It's not working for me or us. I'm a failure. Mm. Mm. Right. And like, if you think you're a failure, there's more information here. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Because when you're doing the practice rightly, there is no self. You're dissolving into empty bliss. As long as your self is tortured, you're still in self. You missed the point along the way. Yeah. <laughs> and the question is, you know, when you're you and God, right, direct. Dissolving self is one process, but it gets real complicated when you involve another. And what Playing With Fire really was designed to do, and especially the map, Justin brought this map, was help you at any moment to kind of put words on the ephemeral, like to put understandings on that which cannot be understood. And to be able to look at something and realize where you're off. That's the whole point of the map. 
is like, here's some ingredients that create fire. Are you missing the flint? Are you, didn't, are you missing the hearth? Are you prioritizing fire at the expense of freedom? You know, mm. like this map is designed to just help you in any moment and ongoingly play with a fire that nourishes you and actually makes you more liberated, not further imprisoned. One thing I want to add just for your audience as we're describing fire, the way we're using this analogy of fire is if you know that feeling in a relationship where first things start out and there's heat there, like sexual heat that warms you, feels delicious, but over time that heat starts to go away and passion is gone, that's when your fire goes out. There's no fire and both of you are left shivering in the cold. A different kind of dynamic is there's a lot of fire when you first meet and the flames just keep kicking up and the fire rages so intensely, desires are so hot, they burn down the metaphorical house, you mm -hmm. burn down mm -hmm. the relationship and both partners end, end up getting burned by the fire. So as London's describing is in our book, we teach you how to create a hearth around those flames, how to have the flames of your intimate relationship burn ongoingly for many years so you can warm your relationship so you can feel nourished by this fire and both of you hold that fire sacred you never let the flames burn out of control and burn the relationship to the ground because you possess awareness sensitivity and equanimity but you also never let the fire burn out and shiver because you know how to skillfully bring polarity and i want to create the tussle of love and play as lovers so here we're learning how to become fire keepers to keep that sacred flame lit such that it warms us for all of our lives and ultimately awakens us. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love that. And we talk a lot about, you know, quote unquote, how to keep the spark alive. And you're speaking to it exactly. You know, the, the spark usually is, is happenstance. It's not as intentional. You know, it can be a lightning strike and there's these set of ingredients like, novelty and spontaneity and that's what causes the spark but the ingredients to keep it alive to keep the fire burning it's a different set of ingredients it might be a little bit more intentional spontaneity or novelty but there's these other aspects as well when a relationship uh continues to mature and evolve you have you have like business partner level decisions mm -hmm. where you're running a house, maybe it's a family, maybe it's uh careers and bills and it takes a different set of ingredients to keep those attributes from stifling the yeah. fire and so maybe it's kindling or maybe it's these other uh the development of the fireplace in order to keep these things burning but figuratively it's continuing to analyze and evolve what attributes need to be applied to this spark or this flame in order to keep it a fire burning forever yeah and Absolutely. even through you know i kind of want to um use that as a, a useful segue here because People can listen to you, follow you, watch your videos and think, man, these two have it all figured out. They are perfect. Their relationship is perfect. I want to be just like them. Obviously, you guys, your guys' relationship is is incredible. But you guys have navigated some really tough shit together in, in specifically in the last few years, which you you share in your book. And um I would I would Love to share the, a little bit of those experiences with our listeners so they can know that you're not just up here floating on a cloud. Like you're navigating the real world shit that all of us have to navigate as well. 
So um, I, I have two branches of this, one being your COVID experience, and then one being your more recent adventure of becoming parents in the last few years. But first, I think if we could start with COVID, um, your experience through COVID and um, how how it impacted your relationship and then how ultimately you both navigated this very novel disaster that the that the entire globe was navigating. What was that experience like for you guys? Oh, rough. <laughs> As we say in the book, we had COVID happening simultaneously to the terrible twos with every park in LA chained, locked shut and no, no toddler groups available. I mean, we were like in this, like, you know, home stuck in this home um with uh we lost 60 percent of our business overnight because we weren't allowed to put groups together and that's what we love to do is in-person intensives prior to covid we really prioritized like in-person work because it's so enlivening it's just like where we thrive and all of that just vaporized overnight and we had a two-year-old um, for a while, you know, in the beginning, it was like no one even wanted to come over as a babysitter. I mean, it was just Justin, me, and Ava. Yeah, but it really started to take a turn, though, as we finally adapted to the shift. We were like, okay, uh, damage control. We're going to recreate our business model. You know, we're going to just hunker down, settle in this house, so on and so forth. And um, we were like, okay, we got this. No big deal. Then a few different curveballs get sent our way. As things start to deteriorate, we were living in um, Venice, California at that time. And the city started to deteriorate in a pretty serious way. We just had a child and um, home invasion started taking place pretty regularly in the neighborhood. Mm. Uh, you could hear gunshots at night. And now being a new father, you have this different kind of anxiety running through your nervous system of protector kind of kicks in an intense way. So you really start to get the sense that um, your child may not be safe in this neighborhood. So, you know, putting up all the security cams, the ridden cams, the flashing lights at night, we got our house broken into. Uh, luckily, we weren't home at that time. But, you know, the lights are going off. We've got constantly getting alerts of like, this is happening down the road. This is happening down the road. Person just got shot. Cop just got shot. Attack with a machete. All of this just popping off nonstop every day as we're in lockdown. We go on a morning walk and there's meth heads walking around, <clears throat> getting really close to our tiny little daughter, you know, and you're just like, Ugh. yeah. Well, we, we had to change our morning walk multiple times because the walks we were on were just no longer safe to bring our child down. Um, and in the meantime, you know, as we're rolling her through the neighborhood, she'll look at the swing and she'll point at the swing and be like, oh, baby, we can't go on the swing. And we had to tell her so many times that one of her first words was actually quarantine. That was her first oh, word. It was her, what? One quarantine. of her first words was quarantine. Quarantine. Oh. So we would, we would walk by the swing and she'd point to it and she'd go, quarantine. Oh and we're God. like, man, that is. That's <laughs> heartbreaking. So all this is happening, and then now we get a letter from our landlord that says, throwing you out of the house, we're not renewing your lease for seven years. So now we're in this situation where we're told we're not allowed to leave our home, and now we're being kicked out of the home, we're not allowed to leave. So 
it threw another monkey wrench in and suddenly I found myself packing up our family with our newborn. And um, since that point, we've moved five times from that moment until right now. Oh, we yeah. actually just moved into a permanent residence. Uh, we finally found a home, but it took uh, five moves to get here. So we're oh. now just kind of landing. And we wrote the book during Through this entire that. period. Mm. So a lot of turbulence. But in the book, what we share is how we were able as lovers to meet every single one of these moments and still find intimacy and love in the midst of them. And I'm not just talking about sharing hearts intimacy. I'm talking about the flame, the flame, the fire that gives us the life force to show up to whatever life is handing us in that moment that our sexuality does become that medicine, so to speak. We did that through all of it. Mm. Like not, not miss the beat because like Justin said, this is our spiritual practice. This is where we purify in the flame. And every day, you know, fear would set in. Like, for example, we get this notice and we're like, okay, let's move to Sedona. This is a great opportunity to move to Sedona. <laughs> we call every single real estate agent in Sedona. There's nothing available, not even an apartment for rent because everybody like, yeah squatted like just froze and there was nothing so then we're like okay Sedona's out where do we you know we, we had this feeling like there's nowhere we can go but that's the level of fear and disrupt that normally you know a couple could turn on themselves and start fighting yeah, or absolutely. you know at worst at best just neutralize and like but Justin and I we we value the value of that uniting into that which is completely pure. That divine union that just washes your body of the fear one day after the next. And then what decisions do you make from there? What conversations? What does your daughter witness in this dynamic when the two of you in your adult time are orienting towards the, the highest vibrational thing available? And the thing that's so beautiful about intimate relationship, in my opinion, is there were many days where I didn't have access beyond that fear by myself. Mm. It was too much. I was too tired. I was too stretched by her um, tantrums. I was too spent to like up-level myself. And there were days where Justin was, you know, just too stretched by running the show and like reinventing our business. But together we could do it. Yeah. And and also sexually we could do it because the thing is so beautiful about sex when you truly understand how sex works is it's all included. So we didn't need to be mindful. I mean, we're aware, but we didn't need to be like, you know, neutered in the name of mindfulness. We didn't need to be, you know, uh, perfectly behaved. We could come and we could bring our hustle and the I could bring the like I don't want my world to fall apart you know and he could be like I got you and you know I'm being in the like what the you know f and he's got his hand around my lower back going give it to me babe I'm right here and then we are like true alchemy like we're 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 being real and being purified and being made whole by the divine and then we come out of practice and we go, okay, we got this for today. And that's how we did it. That's how we did COVID. 
I, what I, London's I, referring to is how all parts of our humanity are included. Yeah, we're not yeah. pretending to be anyone or anything we are not. We are not, and if we do, that's the day that practice sucks. Yeah, well, that's that's our been our commitment. <laughs> when we stepped into this world as facilitators, our commitment to each other is we are never going to put on an air or teach or present anything that is fictitious. We are going to be in our humanity and be the reality because the moment you try and make this and pretend this is something it's not is the moment this starts to deteriorate from within. Yeah. We made that commitment to each other and in our books, that's why we write the way we do. We bring our humanity. And that's where the spiritual growth stops. And I don't think most of us are interested in a path that is less than that, right? Yeah. What you guys are explaining and what you explain in your book so beautifully, um, and you've, you've referenced it a few times, the path, spiritual path, the spiritual intimacy. We talk about a lot on our show, you know, that the relationship, our relationship, our romantic partnership is our greatest teacher mm-hmm. in life. And it's, you know, it, it starts with your partner being a mirror for you, being able to see like, okay, when I behave this way, this is how it lands. And this is what comes back to me. And like, you know, just the mirror is like step one, right? Like, that's great. Everyone has access to this. But what you guys are talking about is so much deeper and richer and fuller than just com- than just seeing your partner as a mirror. It's literally like, you guys are joining together as one, experiencing God together and letting all of your shit come out together and seeing and witnessing, which is the most yes. fundamental human desire to be seen and felt and loved for everything that you are. Well, and, and the domain of alchemy in the, the relationship I mean, so many times in in our history, I've been frustrated by life itself. I burning my ass like at a career or trying to accumulate and and using the the terms you guys mentioned earlier, where it was like, am I enough? Am I am I not? Am I doing enough? I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing enough for me. I don't know if I'm doing enough for her, for my parents' expectations. And so that rage and frustration is sitting inside of me. We hadn't had the the domain of of alchemy to exercise that and and transcend that in a way that mm-hmm. would be uh like this loop of coming back to a place of love. Do you mean in part one? Yeah. Part Rather, one. it's like in the world, like oh fuck, okay, now I'm just going to be an asshole to other people, or I'm going to you know chronically be fatigued and exhausted by my career, and that rage ends up leaking out into the other domains that has no chance of alchemy, no chance of conversion into something beautiful. What I love about creating this space, this container in in the dynamic of romantic partnership is that it's a it's a it's a space for exercising these things and almost like committing or agreeing to turn that thing. It's a safe space to express and let's turn it into something of love or of, mm-hmm. of connection. Precisely. And then there's no end to the kindling. Can you get that? Yeah. yeah. Like going back to your original question, like why does everybody neutralize? Why do they, why does the fire sputter out? It's because less and less is allowed and life will come on you. Mm. And like every time you go, "Mm, I can't bring that here. So I'll just leak it there. Whether that's rage or for other people, that's sexual desire. Like 
my partner's uncomfortable when I show her this need. I'll just go work that out with some porn. Right. Or worse, yeah. with another, you know, partner, right? With some flirting. Oh, it's innocent, you know? And, and they're just leaking, 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 leaking. And this becomes tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe. Hey friend, are you like me looking for ways to age gracefully and beautifully, but also naturally? If so, then we must be aware of the nutrients that we are gifting our body and cells to resist premature aging. One of my favorite ways to do that is with Tremella mushroom. Tremella has been used for centuries for its unmatched cellular hydration, aka healthy glowing skin, by holding 500 times its weight in water. I get my daily Tremella with Mushy Love Latte. This is Chase and I's delicious mushroom elixir that we formulated from scratch to support healthy, hydrated skin cells, shiny, strong hair, gut health, and robust immunity. My favorite way to enjoy Mushy Love is blended with cold milk. It seriously tastes like liquid graham crackers. You can also enjoy it steamed or blended into your vanilla protein shake or as a cinnamon swirly coffee creamer. To grab yours, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount. Cheers to aging gracefully and naturally. Sweep under the rug, sweep under the rug. And what you're describing in the real intention here is like, how do you find the permission and the allowance and the ability to hold this here so perfectly that it's not just allowed, but it becomes the kindling for the fire. It makes me think of, um, we've had moments like this where I'm, you know, overwhelmed or I'm crying or I'm just sad or whatever it is. And Chase sees that he, he is aware, he's sensitive, he's allowing me to just feel whatever I need to feel. And in his, you know, embrace or just holding me, like making me feel better, like I got you, we got this. Like we've had moments where that actually like sparks intimacy. Mm-hmm. It sparks oh, yeah. like sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it started mm-hmm. out as sadness. Mm-hmm. And we've yeah. seen that before, you know, in movies and TV or whatever, but this is one area where you, they can actually get it right, where, you know, maybe it's the woman who's feeling some type of way, sadness or grief and her, whether it's out of good intention or not, you know, the man comes in and recognizes like, I can save her. I can be here. I can hold her. And now there is this intimacy. There is this spark yes. that leads to something deeper and richer. And we've definitely, definitely had that. So I just, I want to, I want to pin these things here for the listeners. If, if, cause uh, this, this conversation can at times for someone who's just starting out and, you know, just picking up your book and knows nothing about the masculine and feminine or alpha and omega, as we're sitting here, the four of us talking, it can feel sort of out of reach or distant. Like it's so far away from anything that you experience in your relationship. And so I like pinning these little situations that everyone can relate to. And it's like, just the awareness of what's possible is progress. So like just being conscious and aware to like the depth that is available to each of us is progress. So no matter where you're at, if you're listening and you're just getting started in this, just just being aware, you're already making progress. So I just wanted to send that little like note of encouragement out because I'm sure you guys, you know, do you hear that from people who are just getting in this work? Like what are your... What are your, I guess, 
tips or advice to someone who is like just dipping their toes in and they're not yet fully all in on like, this is my life practice, you know, sexuality as spirituality. Like where does someone even start? Workshops are really good places to start. Uh, The book is certainly a good place to start. But a workshop is, this is a yoga. So if you want to know if you like yoga, you got to go to a yoga class and see what Mm -hmm. it feels like. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you think you might be interested in dancing, you got to go to a dance class and dance. If you want to know if you're interested in this body of work, you got to go to an environment where you can practice these techniques because it's a yoga. You can sit here and consume books for 10 years but until you actually get into a downward dog or you start doing, you know, start dancing tango, you don't really know what it is to walk that path, to live that practice and know if it's for you or not. So workshops are that starting place for a lot of people where you can go into an environment. And what London and I tell, you know, we every time we teach an event, for example, we have a combination of students who've been working with us for many years to people who are in that room for their very first time with their room. And we love working with that combination of human beings. One of the primary reasons is because no practitioner is more advanced than anybody else. And the advanced practitioners understand this because it's your ability to meet the moment and you're practicing with what you can bring to the moment. And we tell everyone, if you have the ability to see and the ability to feel and the willingness to make eye contact and breathe with another human being, you have all the tools you need. If you're able to see, if you're able to feel, and you're willing to make eye contact and breathe. Now, I even want to say, if you are visually impaired, if you're blind and you can't see, you can still do this practice. So when I say see or I say eye contact, recognize that's not even necessarily literal in the sense of using the eyeball because we can all see even if we don't have eyes but if you have those capacities to see and feel and a willingness to connect with another human being you have everything you need to begin doing this practice just like all you would need to do to do yoga is walk in the room to do sexual yoga all you need to do is walk in the room and then you'll be guided through practices step by step and you get to feel what is this thing that is called sacred sex. How does it work? How do I do it? Where are my blockages? Where are my edges? And just like any yoga, any martial art, any form of dance, it's going to feel clumsy and clunky. You're going to be self-conscious and not know what you're doing. But if you you have a good teacher, they're going to teach you those first basic steps and they're going to give you confidence very quickly. And what's most profound is we have people coming to our events on a Saturday morning and by Sunday night, they are completely transformed. They're practitioners by the time they leave. They spend 24 hours with us, but we immerse deeply in the work. Every human being is capable of loving at this level. That's what's also most profound about this. Every human being is designed to love at this level. Mm. Designed. We have all of the tools we need, but we just need to be in an environment that's conducive for our learning. And we need an instructor there who's able to skillfully help us navigate some of the crunchy moments and help us become conscious where we might be unconscious and know what do I need to do in this moment to bring more love to this moment. Yeah, I, I love that you're speaking to this. We're all from a world of multiple choice questions and memorizing answers for a paper test, you know. And we've we've lost, or at least I mean, I feel like I spent 20 some years of my life missing out on learning through feeling and 
learning through experience. And I mean, when I was introduced to you, Justin and, and uh, John Wineland, it wasn't until I saw and listened to the way that you spoke and the cadence of your articulating that I was like, wow, this is really resonating. There's, there's an essence within me that is very aligned with the way that these guys are able to um, feel their way into understanding and learning. And it, I probably wouldn't have have gotten that had I not, had I just like read text of the words that you were saying. And so I love that point because there is something resonating, especially for like myself and and maybe other you know masculine energies as well, where it takes like really witnessing the energetic expression of something to fully understand it and be interested enough to say. I want to do whatever they're doing. I want to get into whatever they're doing because maybe just words alone isn't going to going to strike that chord of resonance like it would be to see you in person or to listen even just to uh, the way that you speak. And so I highly encourage anybody listening to um you know spend some time like mm-hmm. watching, listening um because a lot of these transcend words and we're just doing our best yeah. to describe them with the alphabet <laughs> I, I think you it's really beautifully said, you know, talking about these terms, you know, as effective as like trying to get wet with the word wet. Yeah. <laughs> the word wet is never going to make you wet. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and we're trying to get wet in these practices. Yeah. But something that I want to share is the first six years of my life as in this path, I didn't read anything or listen to any talks. I was in rooms with teachers. Mm. I, I never read their books. I never looked at anything. I was in the rooms with teachers. And sacred sex is traditionally an esoteric path. Esoteric meaning secret, so to speak, that it is specialty knowledge that's only reserved for the people who have the ability to be inside of that room and then download the transmissions they get from those teachers. Again, even those transmissions that are happening in the rooms aren't necessarily coming from the words being spoken. They're coming from something else that's happening your limbic system in your subtle body right mm-hmm. so sacred sex becoming more of a exoteric kind of spiritual practice has only happened in the last hundred years or so that's a brand new phenomenon now we're all talking about these esoteric teachings we're all passing around now they're memes on social media <laughs> now they're like flip throughs like this is what masculine is it's like it couldn't be further from the origin and the truth of what yeah. this body of work has always been about, which has been an esoteric path. And when we understand it as an esoteric path, we develop a kind of patience for the learning curve. Mm. Let me give you one example. In the East, their ability to learn is different than our ability in the West. So uh, Tai Chi, Qigong, for example, Eastern traditional model is a teacher would just stand with their back to the students and they would go through the movements and the students would need to emulate what they're doing. No words spoken. I'm doing this. No one's interrupting saying, hey, how high is your arm? Hey, how fast do I move right there? Hey, right. hey could you stop and tell me what, what are we doing right now? That is so Western. Yeah. Because we're so in our heads, you know, as you described that multiple choice. It's like when we're met with the challenge of learning that way, it's like our brains immediately become frustrated. We get impatient. We become reactive. But the lesson that these traditions are trying to teach us is that degree of presence, of feeling into the moment, of settling into something wiser than your thinking mind. 
And it forces us to slow down. It forces us to learn through a kind of osmosis. And that's why these are transmission teachings that come through transmission. And you could walk into a room once and you get the full download the first time you walk into the room. Or you could be in a room for seven years and it takes seven years to get that download where it's all different for all of us, you know? But these are transmission teachings and we understand them as such. That's when the practice becomes the teacher. We stop relying on the words or the talks. We start recognizing the only way this thing is actually going to become my teacher and my guide is when I embody it, I breathe with it, I be with it, I run it through my nervous system, and the practice will teach you. Mm. Mm. The practice will reveal its wisdom to you. Show up empty. The practice will reveal the wisdom to you. In playing with fire, we give you those basic starting points of practice. Whereas if you just show up and do those very simple things, the practice will begin to teach you. But you must develop the courage, the discipline, and the willingness to show up to those practices. Mm. Yeah. And Mimi, you know, you really speak the heart of the love-driven being. And, and I'm sure there's so many listeners right now that are like, whatever they're talking about, I want that. And I don't want to wait even three weeks for your workshop. I want it right now. And I, I just want to speak to that person for a second because I there's such a hunger for people to experience being met, especially after lockdown, right? Like we've all been like split apart and made to not trust each other and to fear. And there's just this, like, we see it everywhere. Just people wanting to melt that glacier over their heart and reconnect even non-intimately just with another human today. If you want to feel this work today, your work is to reconnect to your breath because breath is feeling take a deep breath. If you can, let it make your belly a balloon. It's going to bring up a lot of feelings. Equanimity, we talked about allowing life on life's terms. Become like your mantra is, I allow. I allow my feelings. I allow all of them. Take a deep breath into that belly. Let the belly feel like a balloon. And then just simply allow what comes up. Soften your heart and receive it. If it doesn't make sense to you, if it scares the shit out of you, if it seems like an abyss that you could never climb out of, I'm okay. I see you. I feel you. I love you. I see you. I feel you. I love you. If you do that every single day and just say yes to what is here, you're learning how to call in a partner that sees your true heart, your true sacred sexual center that would cherish that because it's so on display. You're not like bulletproof. I can't hurt her. I'll just blow her off. Yeah. Your, 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 your sensitivity is showing. Your tenderness is showing. And it, it naturally attracts someone who wants to protect that. Then you saying yes to you through that full feeling, full body breath really teaches you how to sit in front of a partner and say yes to your partner. That person might speak something that's hard for you. If you're a good karmic match, they're definitely going to speak something <laughs> that's the exact trigger for you. And that's where attraction comes from. You can't avoid it. If, if you didn't have it, you'd be bored with them, right? So you're, you're probably going to attract someone that helps your spiritual growth by triggering all the pieces. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change. You're still softening the front surface of your body, taking a breath into your belly and saying yes to what's here. And that's what Justin and I are doing every day. And so it is very complex, yes, because the nature of the body is 
infinite. It's infinitely discoverable, explorable, openable, expandable. And you know, like the body doesn't stop. And that's the gift. However, it's as simple as the breath, the yes, and I allow. Just start that today, do it every day, and you will absolutely, I promise you, see your whole molecular magnetism change Mm -hmm. as to what you're attracting, how you're showing up in conversations, whether a little E moment turns into a big rip-roaring fight of disconnection or an E moment turns into a beautiful a beautiful opportunity for both of you to be seen in some truth that's maybe been plaguing you for a while. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as the breath. Start with the breath. Start with the breath. Start with the breath. That's so good. And and you're just reading my mind because the next you know question I was going to ask is about this solo practice that you guys discuss. You you know we've we've used the word practice, and uh, I know you guys have a practice together, but you also have your own individual practices. And um, that was my my next question is like, what does this solo practice look like for both Alpha and Omega? Are they the same? Are they different? And and why is this such a huge key pillar of your guys's teachings? You obviously explained some of it like, okay, you know, softening the front of the body, coming back to the breath, breath, breath. Is that the same for Alpha and Omega? And um, how do you then bring that individual work together? Addressing that Alpha and Omega question, I just want to point out. So this is the book, Playing with Fire. And chapter 20 is Alpha and Omega. And it goes into granular detail um, if you really come away wanting to know deeper. And then in each chapter of the book, we offer a mini practice, something you could do in a couple of minutes. So we offer an omega one and an alpha one. So this is something that you could do yourself immediately. But I also want to say we go into omega morning practice by London and then alpha morning practice by Justin. And we describe vividly what we each do. So this is all available in much uh something you could take away and like really study and like practice and try. But I will address that right now by saying each of us is conscious light. We already talked about that, right? And one of the ways we start to unravel this in the book is when you think about consciousness on that level of like, how does this translate into 3D, right? Remember how Justin said, like, you can't observe the observer, but we need ways to like understand this and and work this as a yoga pose in the 3d consciousness is the seer i see light is the feeler i feel and so this is another powerful conceptual understanding of like am i any any less a seer i don't think there's a single woman on this listening to this that would not identify as a powerful seer Am I any less the feeler? I don't know that there would be a single man listening to this that would say, I'm not a feeler. I don't feel anything. Right? The feeling part of you is how you love your woman. The seeing part of you is how you glorify your man. And so working these aspects of seer and feeler is what you're going to be thinking of when you split pieces apart to want to come together. 
Every day, all day, you're the seer and the feeler in deep fuck with yourself, that inner marriage between alpha and omega, just making you feel like you're taking a bite out of the ass of life. Like this <laughs> shit is awesome. I have all my energy back. I'm lit up. I got good ideas and I know how to bring them into the world. That's that inner marriage. But if we bring that inner marriage in its full integration to our partner, there's not a lot of spark because we're two whole human beings. We don't really need anything from them. What happens if we make ourselves available to need as a sacred act? And that's when we split the pieces apart and then they tremble to come together. So the point, I think the most powerful thing is to speak of what you Justin and I orient ourselves to when we practice one hour before meeting, it's to split the pieces apart. Mm. Does that make sense? And we're not, he's not always the seer because he has a penis and I'm not always the feeler because I have a vagina. We're working all of it because it's all delicious. Hey friend, by now, I think most of us realize that our earth needs our support more than ever. Sadly, most of the usable soil on earth has been degraded into lifeless dust by conventional farming's overuse of glyphosate and pesticides. This is a big problem for not only us, but even bigger problem for our kids' generation. Chase and I's favorite way to support the earth is by supporting the regenerative farmers who use methods that do not degrade the soil, but builds robust, rich, biodiverse soil. Every month we receive our meat subscription box from Wild Pastures that provides a wide variety of meat, chicken, sausage, pork, beef, and even organ meats if we want. These are the best prices we have found on meat that's organic, pasture-raised, and sourced from regenerative farmers. And boxes are completely customizable to fit your family's needs. With Wild Pastures, you're not only supporting your family's health with the highest quality meat, you're also supporting future generations and our earth, our home. Now, Wild Pastures is giving you 20% off your subscription and free shipping for life. Just check the show notes below for our direct link and start building your first box. Enjoy. But I'll talk to my, I'll talk about myself as a feeler for right now. Well, just think as a listener, if you wanted to feel more, what would you do? What would you do for one hour to make yourself feel more? Mimi, what, what are some of the things you do? I uh, usually um, put music on that helps me feel depending on, you know, maybe it's singing bowls, maybe it's 528, maybe it's, you know, just calm instrumentals. Um, I usually, if I want to feel more, like I would usually wear something where I can actually feel myself. You know, I'm not bundling up in head to toe wool pajamas, <laughs> usually wanting to feel like my skin and feel my body, show gratitude to my body and everything that it does for me. If I want to feel more, I will move my body, like fe like feeling how my body, you know, feels when it moves. And yeah, I mean, those are those three ingredients are all I need. So if you did that. And then you showed up to a moment with your man. What do you think he would experience in you? Um, what would he experience in me? I think that he would probably experience um, 
love and um, desire, um, admiration that I'm engaging in this work. Uh, curiosity. Curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to jump right in. <laughs> Why don't you tell me? Well, let me stop really quick and say, do you see how he couldn't help but dive into you? <laughs> yeah. He couldn't, right? Because you would be right. the invite. Yeah. Did you, Chase, did you feel like invited by her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's already here and we haven't even done the practice. We just yeah. talked about it. Yeah. And I would love for you to go on, Chase. Like, what else would you feel or experience in her if she's in that full feeler? What does that make you want to do? It makes me want to step into the to the dance, into the ring of of fire. <laughs> um, yeah, curiosity, um, lose track, losing track of what's in the future and what's in the past, and feeling very present or or very drawn to you know maybe what is going on. Um, in inside of her that I can be a part of. And then Chase, what do you, what would you do to spend an hour being more of a seer? First thing that comes up for me would be to spend time in nature and to, um, to be present and observe. Um, I, I find deep meaning in just simply observing nature, whether that's the sacred patterns of a leaf or the, way with which the tide changes or the waves roll up onto the beach here in beautiful Coronado, California, um, or in the forest and, um, being able to observe life itself and its sacred patterns. Um, so I, f I find that a, a nice practice for being able to see. Mm. And then Mimi, if he came back and you guys were coming together and you've spent all this time cultivating feeler and you can feel him appreciating the imprint of the, mm. all that is, mm -hmm. what does that open for you? What becomes possible for you? What becomes possible for me is to, if he's cultivating, seeing, and it, it what becomes possible is for me to open myself even deeper for him to fully see me. And yes. <laughs> yeah. And to just surrender to whatever he wants to see. <laughs> Do you see how seer, seer evokes yeah. feeler and feeler evokes seer? And that's the, that's the dance of passion's play. Like that, That's what Rumi was talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so simple. And Chase, earlier you, you brought up this idea that like it creates all these, you know, the archetype can become like, now I'm getting so far away from myself trying to be this thing that I think is, but did you see how none of that was present in what you said, but you opened her in the way that all of those ideas promised to open a woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you opened her actually in a way that's even more genius because had you come back like a general, like, <gasps> I don't think Mimi would have had the response that more of me can be here. Yeah, but yeah. You, you let divine show you what a seer is. Yeah, it's funny. You like I thought when you asked me, I was like, "All right, what's masculine? What would be masculine?" Yeah. You know, and and I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna say like where where I feel really, really in my you know in my body is when I'm mm -hmm. out in nature and and the seeing is is out of curiosity. It's like, and you've seen when I've come back from solo time. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm like quite actually laid back mm -hmm. um, you're also like glowing glowing and it's it's 
different from what would be like an analytical penetrating masculine yeah. with, with skepticism, which is what you do all day, which is what I do at work, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but it's a little bit different where the seeing is more out of like, Hey, what's under this rock? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. What, what's this wave all about? Well, you're looking, you're opening yourself up to and looking for beauty, recognizing beauty. And so if you were to come back from a, a you know, an hour long walk around the Island, looking at every flower and leaf and tree and wave, like you're, you're searching and seeking out beauty. And so then it like softens me because I'm like, I know that he's going to be finding the beauty in me, not the shit that I'm worried about where it's like, oh yeah, but I have like a dimple here or a mark here, or like my abs aren't perfectly flexed or, you know, like he doesn't give a shit about that. He wants to see like me and the, the depth of beauty. I think I do. And that Mimi, you're so perfectly representing what we were talking about at the beginning with not enough and too much. So when we work too hard to be the thing we're supposed to be, like never spend your alpha and omega practice trying to be the thing you're supposed to be, the ego has hijacked Mm. spiritual concepts and is embedding fear and delusion in them. But when you allow yourself to rest into that which you already are, seer and feeler, and consciously split them apart, just you guys. And thank goodness we have a YouTube because you can see how they tremble to come together. And that's the game we're playing. And then you bow, you know, you have beautiful lovemaking. You see more of what is available on this incarnation. You bow and then you bring back your own inner marriage. And let's face it, just get fucked all day between your alpha and your omega. Let's go. Riverbanks meets river. Let's fucking create and do something really cool with this day. Yeah. And that's what Justin was talking about, where you just want to have more hours in the day when it's like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys just embodied everything. And that's what also Justin was saying is like, this can happen right now if you just do the yoga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for taking us through that. That was Yeah. Fun. No, it's really good. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go practice after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Reading your guys' books and reading about your connection together and what it provides and how it sets the table for like literally like the deepest fuck. Um, There's nothing more like motivating and inspiring than like, okay, I can, it doesn't have to necessarily even be an hour. Yes, that's ideal. That's great. But even if it's 10 minutes, anything, just start, start somewhere and certainly after reading i'm i'm over over halfway through and reading playing with fire and i just like i can't put it down it's so nourishing um and it's really inspiring me to to you know how our our morning routines kind of shift and change and evolve depending on what we're dealing with depending on what's happening in our lives and it really um is reminding me of the value of just quiet solo getting this centered, getting in my body. Um, it just really sets up my day, um, in the best way. And I think that, I think that we can all do that and, and invest in that just a few minutes a day. And then you have no idea what it's going to provide, how it's going to set the table for your sexual connection for your, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be sexual, like actually intercourse, but just the spark 
which is what you guys are talking about. In the book, you guys share your practice and many of the practices don't even involve intercourse. It's just the seeing and feeling. And then by the end of it, you're connected, but you're not having sex. It's just like, I, we're here. I see you. We're with this. And now we can navigate our day with more spark, which is exciting and, and makes you want to add more hours to the end of the day. And I think what you find when you really dive into these practices is that you can have sex and not have deep fuck. Mm-hmm. And you can have deep fuck mm. not having sex. And what we all crave is that deep fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you can find it in just an exchange of a glance, when you can find it in both hearts melting together, when you can find it in a touch that just makes your body get goosebumps while you're making tea in the kitchen and then you go back to work. Now there's just spark through your whole day. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you know how to do that and you add the physical, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Well, and like yeah. it can be uncontrollable laughter too, yeah. where, where you're, you're falling into each other because you're giggling. Like you're, Oh you know, yeah. Like, that can feel like an orgasm. Totally. It, it, <laughs> totally. Can be, it can be those little like ingredients throughout the day that actually lead to something really, yeah. really beautiful. And, um, you know, a couple couple questions that I want to bring up because we get from our listeners often questions around these two um, environments. One is the single individual who might be listening to this and is like, I don't have somebody to deep fuck right now. <laughs> and so, Well, they do have themselves. Yeah, but right, okay. right, exactly. And so I want to I want to speak to that a little bit. And you mentioned it in the some of the solo practice that it's it's not just an omega practice as much as it is uh, a pieces of of both. And so maybe we can speak to that a little bit. And then there's the other question, which we get often, which is, okay, I'm on board, but my partner is not. And usually this is coming from women. How do I get him enrolled? And so maybe speak to those two uh, demographics a little bit. How do we get him on board? Can we start with the second one? Because that's a big pain point we hear every time we teach. There's a difference between bringing your practice to your relationship and demanding that your partner practice with you. Mm. They're not the same thing. A skillful practitioner will understand everything about these teachings, about these techniques, and they will bring them to their partner in a way where their partner feels energized by what they're bringing, inspired by what they're bringing, engaged in what they're bringing. Where you, you bringing your practice is more interesting than the television. That's what we're here to do with our practice. And when a lot of people first start off in this body of work, there's this frame of mind, which is, well, I can't develop this skill unless you do it. So let me convince you. Let me try and draw you into this. Let me, you know, talk to you about it. And it kind of repels your partner in a way because the presupposition is what you're doing is not enough. We talked about not enough and too much. This, not enough. So if you're the one devoted to this practice, that's your homework right there. Because if you're perceiving your partner as not enough, check yourself. Mm. Mm. Check yourself. That's your homework. Mm. What you do is you take this technology and these tools. And how do you, like, first of all, let's say you want to have a romantic sexual moment with your partner that feels totally present and fully engaged. Let's say that's what you're wanting for your partner and they're just distracted, not giving it to you. What outfit would you need to put on? How would you need to move? Would there be candles, music playing in the environment? 
How would you draw your partner's attention? Would you come up to them? What does your partner need? Do they need to be touched right now? Some fingers across their skin. What would you be doing with your body and breath? Do they not need to be touched right now? Do you find your practice in front of them sitting on the couch just a few feet away and suddenly you're breathing into your hips, you're breathing into your genitals, you're finding your practice and coming alive. And suddenly you're saying, hey, you, I want you. And you draw your partner out. Your partner yeah. suddenly is like, what's going on over here? I yeah, thought we were sure. just going to do Netflix. This is yeah. interesting. Okay. And then you could say something like, I want to tease the shit out of you. <laughs> and then you can say something like, I want to feel your breath inside of my body. <laughs> I love that. So why are you sitting there saying, we need to sit down and do practices and I need you to breathe in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Forget about that. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can, here getting hot and bothered. <laughs> you can bring the embodiment of the practice. Until, it works. <laughs> until what you're bringing is so captivating, yeah. so interesting, so hot. That your partner goes, this is way fucking better than Netflix. Yeah. Like, okay, what what do you want to do? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when now I understand there's like a degree of confidence that one needs to acquire to feel that they have, you know, the will to do that. So that's why your solo practice is important. Become comfortable in your own sexuality. Dress up for you. Get in outfits that feel sexy to you. Pleasure yourself. Really understand what do you want to experience sexually? What are your wants? That's one of the first things we do with clients and couples who want to get into this work. What do you want? What do you want to experience? And, and when I say want, not just anything, I mean with your intimate partner, with that person, or your ideal intimate partner. What do you actually want? Do you want them to see you? Do, they want, do you want them to stand? Do you want them to sit? Do you want them lying down? Do you want to climb on top of them? Do you want them pinning you to the floor? Do you want them talking to you? Do you want them quiet? Do you want them breathing? Like, what do you want? And when you start to unlock your own sexuality and truly understand what you're desiring, first, you develop a confidence around your own sexuality, right? You start to awaken that confidence, and then you become capable of artistically bringing that to any moment. And making your partner so excited to dive into that world with you. Yeah. But if you're criticizing your partner, saying this is something you need to do, it's going to make them feel they're not enough. And they're going to immediately feel repelled by that conversation. When you ask that question, what do you want? Do you find that people know what they want? And then if they do, what, what do they, what are people wanting? I would say half the time people have a sense of some things they want and half the time people have no idea what they want. They say, I don't even know what I could ask for. Mm. Mm. Even the people who think they know they want, they awaken to the fact that their wants are constantly evolving and changing. Want is infinite. Desire is infinite. Desire is unending. That sounds scary. In this body of work playing with fire, that is profound. That unending desire, that constant overflow of wants that has no end is what keeps intimacy alive. The moment you stop desiring is the moment intimacy starts to die. So you bring your desire to your lover, not frustrated like a child throwing a tantrum, but as an awakened, conscious lover. I want, I want, I want. And simultaneously, you practice the embodiment of I allow. I allow my desire to be here. 
I'm not trying to get rid of my desire. Most of the time, we're so irritated by our desires, we're just trying to get rid of them. The desire for food, very irritating. Let me eat so my sensation of desire goes away. My desire to orgasm. Let me have an orgasm so my desire to orgasm goes away. We're constantly trying to get rid of this sensation of desire in our body minds. The desire for more money. Let me get more money so this desire feeling goes away. Because it's uncomfortable to desire. But when we start to recognize that that irritant in the body-mind, that fire, that alchemical agent of irritation, when we learn to bring it through our I want, I want, I want, and we start to explore it, we start to explore it, it begins becoming an extension of our love, and it becomes something we become capable of being with. That we wake up to the realization there is no future moment. There is no thing you're going to achieve that's going to liberate you. You either liberate now or you don't. Mm. And that awakening experience only happens in the midst of desire, recognizing desire, being with desire and equanimity, that your desires can be here. And once the moment you allow your desire to be present, you can bring them through your body mind with consciousness, with love. And that's where we alchemize the darkest darks of shadows and desire and turn them the deepest expressions of love that build love and trust rather than sabotage Hey, homie, did you hear that Organifi, the creators of the best and most delicious green juice in the world, now has a crisp apple version? You guys, it is so dang good. I love the original green juice, but this may be my new favorite Organifi product. The apple taste isn't too strong. It's just the right amount. So Green Juice Crisp Apple has all the same benefits of the original green juice with a new crisp twist and refreshing taste and only two grams of sugar using organic whole apple sources handpicked from our home state of Washington. Holler! I drink green juice on a daily basis because the clinical dose of ashwagandha really helps support my body's stress response and cortisol levels. And you know what they say, you're either making stress hormones or sex hormones, not both. So green juice really is sexy. To grab your new sexy green juice, crisp apple, go to Organifi.com and remember to use the code MIMIFIT, M-I-M-I-F-I-T at checkout for a hefty 20% off on all your Organifi orders. Cheers and love, boo. So when a partner says, well, I don't know what I want, like I'm clueless, I don't even know what to ask for. I had a woman in a workshop uh, not so long ago who said this, said, I have no idea what you're talking about, Justin. What do you mean? What do I want? I don't even know what to ask for. And I stood her in front of the room with her partner and I had her partner make eye contact with her, just standing in front of her. And I said, okay, partner, slowly take 10 steps back. And I asked the woman, I said, as he starts to move, just give him numbers on how much you want this right now. So if you like what he's bringing, if it feels good in your body, this is what you desire intimately, it's a 10. If this is not what you desire, it's a one. So she's sitting in front of her partner about arm's length away. He's standing there and she doesn't know what to say. So she's like five, five, and the moment's neutral. He starts taking a step away. She says five, takes another step away. She says five takes another step away. He finally gets far away enough for her to register. She doesn't want him to be that far away. She doesn't like that. 
So the number goes to three. He takes another step back, goes to two, takes another step back, it goes to one. And I say, aha, you don't want him far away. Let's see if you want him close. So I had him very slowly start walking towards her with eye contact and breath. And the numbers started going up and going up. And he got close enough to her. I told him he couldn't touch her, but he got right next to her. And he was right nose to nose without touching her, breathing her. And she was 10, 10. <laughs> and you could feel the electricity and the tremble of her desire coming online. That was an awakening moment for her. What does she want? She wants him close. So it's that simple is we need to go through these motions with our bodies to find out what do we want. Mm. Now, here's the way we approach this as an advanced practitioner is when London and I show up to practice, neither one of us are sitting there. Oh, I know what she wants. Oh, I know what we're going to do. I know how to open her body just right. We show up to the moment not having any clue. I have no idea what she wants. I don't know what I want. And that's the art form we're in. We feel the moment purely freshly. When I say I want, I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my genitals. I let myself say I want. Da, da, da. And then the moment I say it, I let it go. And I say I allow this moment to be just as it is. And then I feel a new desire as I want. Da, da, da. And then I let it go. I allow the moment to be just as it is. And when I say my I wants, I'm like giving them to London. And she can do what she wants with them as a lover. So she, I could say, I want your mouth around my cock. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the show. You, anything <laughs> allowed. <laughs> so I say, I want your mouth on my cock. Now she might say, mm, I want that too. Or she might say, mm, not yet. Or I'll say, like, let's say he says, I just sat down. I've got an outfit on. It gets a lot of arousal in him. And he says, I want your mouth around my cock. I go, I don't want that yet. But instead of being like, no, right? I'll go, what would I want that would make that interesting? Mm. So I go, hmm. And, I, and this is all very slow and with a lot of breath. And I'm really feeling the moment. I feel into the truth of the moment. This has actually occurred. And I go, I want you to breathe me in a way that I can't resist <laughs> putting my mouth around your cock. And I fucking mean it. Like he breathes me in a way that he pulls me over there. I'm all in. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now we're dancing in our once. Mm -hmm. And we're dancing in the truth. This is the piece for anyone who's new. We're dancing in the truth of the field. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm not obliging myself sexually. That's not a sexual yogini. She's not like a servant. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, and, and Mimi, you might relate to this. I'm not like trying to be open because I'm an open woman, you know, and like yeah. to not be available, like I must have a block. Like I never run that trip on myself. But what I am is game to play in the conditions that work. So we're awakening each other, right? We're awakening each other through the power of want. Mm -hmm. But it's all resting on top of allow. I'm not shaming him for wanting what he wants. And I'm not obliging myself to move past my yes. But we're dancing together and we're honest with each other. And the truth of the field is the alchemy we've been talking about all along. 
And I'm not pressuring her to do what I want because I'm in equanimity with my desires. Mm -hmm. That's where this becomes spiritually liberating. But if I say I want, and I'm actually frustrated like a child, if I don't get it, if you don't love me this particular way, there's no liberation in that. It's a trap that repeats patterns, but now just in a different setting, a pseudo-spiritual setting. But to actually be liberated is to allow those wants to be present and to have equanimity in the face of them. I love her as she is. I don't need her to change anything about it. And I want you to get over it. <laughs> and I am a space in which his desire is allowed. That I just want to say to the women, the biggest gift I've given Justin from my end is that he is allowed his full sexual desire in this relationship. And the reason why it works is because I'm so empowered around it. I'm so empowered. I don't lose myself in it. I become more of myself with it. And so what makes him feel so free in monogamy, he's more, I would argue that he's more free in monogamy than he was in single variety, plethora of whatever, because I create an environment where his desire is permitted, allowed, and, and constantly innovating our sexing. Mm-hmm. But with no loss of my own sovereignty, self-respect, dignity, I'm a sexual yogini who's all in on, on like full realization being here. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Mm. It's easy to get just lost in the experience of you guys witnessing each other and sharing and, you know. Um, yeah, it's so powerful even just to witness two people doing it, but to be in it yourself, like, man, it's, it's so freaking powerful. And, you know, something you were saying, um, I allow it and it's not even, it's even, I think more than allowing, it's like encouraging because I think so many, you know, it's out there in, in mainstream media and TV and movies and everything where the woman just obliges. The woman is like, does her womanly wifely duty of having sex because her man wants it. And it seems almost like it's obligatory. And it's like, I've never aligned with that. That does not sound like something that I want to experience. And I don't think any woman wants to experience that. But it's just kind of the subconscious notion that the men are the the sexual beings and the women are there to please and to oblige, but it's, it's never something that's like generated by the woman or that she is comfortable in her sexuality, especially from our background of evangelical Christianity that is squashed. That is dark that is evil even even just your own connection to your sexuality understanding what you want understanding what pleasure is so a lot of our listeners have come from a religious background where sex is off limits sex is not talked about sex is dark it's only for married people and if you're engaging in that or if you want it there's there must be something wrong with you and this was something that i experienced and you know you mentioned that you were a daughter of a preacher I'm sure you experience this to some degree too, but women in this purity culture are getting cut off from everything that you just explained. So it's like we we jump into marriage and we don't even know where to fucking start. 
because we've been told that this is wrong our entire lives. You know, we're 23, 24 years old. Now we're trying to engage in a really deep, wonderful sexual relationship that's finally allowed. (laughs) And you have no idea how to even connect with your own desire or want. Yes. It's so maddening. I would add to that, that you love God, right? And so when prior to marriage, you you willingly suppress your sexuality because it, it, you've been told it takes you away from God. So you're like, well, I love God. I'll get rid of that. And what you're missing is the prayer that your sexuality is to God. And that was the big reclamation in my life was I always wanted to do right by God. I mean, truly, I would, I would do any price to be closer to God. So I was happy to get rid of my sexuality. Now, granted, I had to like shove my sexuality down with about three to 5,000 calories a day because my <laughs> roaring sexuality did not want to go away. <laughs> but um, like the greatest gift of this path is letting your sexuality bring you closer to God and to feel, you, you know, The thing I love about this map that's in this book is that polarity, that constant tension between desire and allowing, because guess what? Desire will take you into the gates of hell when it's burning out of control, Mm -hmm. when it's destroying everyone and everything you hold precious. You know, ironically, when I was holding my sexuality back to be close to God, but I was eating three to 5,000 calories a day. My desire was motherfucking out of control. Sure. Yeah. Right. I was so far away from my heart because I was just in this hate cycle of like numb out, hate myself, numb out, hate myself, all in the name of suppressing my sexuality to be closer to God. I was getting so far away from God. Mm. I feel so much closer to God today because I don't have to numb out. But I also never allow my desire to run the show where it darkens me. I'm in that tension, that constant tension between desire and allow it. And the way I say this to women I work with is like, if you ate one, one little square of chocolate and then you let yourself burn for the rest, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like to be in the place of desire and allow. The desire is there. And it's tethered by that spiritual alchemy of allow. So, whoa. I mean, you brought up so much there. I don't even know. Like I can, I just want to go on forever. I'll stop right there. It's it's kind of like the analogy of a, of a satiating, fully balanced, nutritious meal where there is a desire and a deep hunger for the meal, but there's a level of fulfillment only to be, you know, cycled through and experienced again, but it's different than eating and having an insatiable thirst for bullshit Mm -hmm. food and junk food where it's, I just ate a box of ice cream and I want more and more and more and more and more until I don't because I'm nauseous. And so it's like the, the, the quality of the experience is like a satiating meal where you will develop a hunger. Your body needs this. These are macronutrients and and vital key elements of being vital and, and having energy. Uh, but it, when interacted with, is satiating and fulfilling and cycled through to only be experienced again. Different from just transactionally eating highly, highly palatable but bullshit food and, and consistently either needing more or purging because you've mm-hmm. de- 
completely toxified yourself through the experience. Our desires run out of control. They become reactive and they, they do violence to our body minds and mm-hmm. to our lives. They, we inflict our own violence by letting our desires burn out of control. And the same is true with intimate relationship. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, we, we could just continue talking to you guys for forever. Um, but I, I want to be mindful of your time and, and, um, I, I do want to just uh, give one more um, plug to the book. Anything in there? I know there's there's it's a big book. It's it, there's a lot, and I, I'm just you know loving it. Everyone, if this resonated a shred, <laughs> you know, with you today, this conversation, like I cannot recommend this book enough. Even if you're just starting out, even if this conversation feels distant, just check out the book. It will provide hope and inspiration. And uh, again, coming back to this map, this roadmap, it's like a GPS. It's seriously, it's us going from 1990 and navigating on big paper maps and you can't see what the fuck you're doing to GPS literally telling you exactly what you need to do. And and, uh, with also a lot of creative freedom because you need to be able to develop the skill to be aware and sensitive to what the moment is requiring. Um, But this map is invaluable. So everyone, please go get this. Is there anything else in the book that we didn't touch on that you guys like can't leave this conversation without speaking to? Something that I just want to share um, from my heart is it's it's rare to meet a couple who is so deeply devoted to each other and growing sexually and spiritually together. And I see that in the two of you, this living in the city and chase. And it just inspires me so deeply because we all have very big dreams and those dreams are beautiful. We want to save the world. We want to change the world. We want to help a million people. But I believe that real change gets created when we become truly capable of loving another human being in our lives. And if we can show up in a way that is selfless, that is present, that is aware and sensitive, that honors the differences between ourselves and another human being and show up to that relationship and love one human being well, just one, which is a huge ask. It's huge. It's a big ask. But if we can, if every human being can gain that skill, I believe we will change and transform this entire planet and all of humanity for all of time. So I see that in the two of you and I just, I'm honored to meet a couple like you being the presence of you. Mm. It's a special thing when two people authentically commit to this path and this work. Mm-hmm. So I just want to share that with both of you, how much it means to us when we need another couple on the path. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much. I deeply felt. Receive that fully. It really does. It means a lot. And, um, you know, we've been on this in this part two of our relationship. We got back together in 2019 and we've been in part two now for longer than we were married. So something that we're doing is working (laughs) and we're going to keep discovering and uncovering and pulling on the threads. And 
Um, we're still, we tell our listeners all the time, we are in this work. We are not ahead of you. We're not teachers. We're not mentors. We are in the work with you. We are right beside you in this work and and yeah. and really doing our best to embody what we talk about on the podcast and learn from great teachers like yourselves. Yeah, it's it it felt when we got married and in, in so much of our childhood romance was just play and presence and it was just so perfect. But when we got married and we put these adult hats on, it was in the way that was modeled for us and the environment that we came out of, it felt so out of body to be in these roles. And it wasn't until we divorced and came back together and and looked at pioneers like you both embodying these things that we knew we felt deep down but had no idea how to pull them out. And it took pioneers like yourselves to embody them and speak to them and then articulate them and distill them down in a way that was bite-sized for people who were maybe seeing this for the first time. So just like so much gratitude and appreciation for the work that you're doing, Justin. It's been such a permission slip for me who had this kind of very traditional masculine idea of what it meant to be a man to be able to embrace uh the the beautiful articulation of these feelings that are profound uh but still strong all while being gentle like just just absolute permission slip for me and, and totally life-changing so uh again just ton of love to you both and this was just a blast to be able to jam major love bubble guys. <laughs> thank you so much thank you Love Thank you guys. You. Um, okay, last question that we ask every guest on the medicine before we plug where people can find you and all the good things. Um, the medicine podcast, we named it such because we want to invite people to lean into the real medicines um, that cultivate uh, conscious relationships with our partner, with God, with our bodies, with the earth all these different medicines. Um, so we would love to hear from you guys. What currently feels like medicine for each of you right now in your life? That's an easy answer for me. <laughs> no surprise here. Deep fuck. Mm. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean sacred, the kind that only presence, devotion, willingness to see with naked eyes, willingness to feel with that bloody tender heart even if i feel pathetic i'm feeling willingness to allow life on life's terms and willingness to polarize with that to bring that as a gift in the relational field that's my medicine love it beautiful my my medicine currently is um the internalization and embodiment of the mantra of loving what is of no longer waiting to be loved, to be relieved, to be free, to no longer waiting for change, no longer waiting for love to come from a source outside of self, but that I am the bringer of love. And if love is going to exist, it comes from me. It comes here now through me to love this moment as it is to be the bringer of love in all moments. Mm. This is the internal mantra in meditation that I've been with for some time and continues to deeply, deeply rest inside of me. So good. Beautiful. Love it. Where can people find more Justin and London? Your book is everywhere. Um, where are you guys, where, where do you have more offerings for people and, and what does that look like? The easiest places to go 
our websites, uh, LondonAngelWinters.com. And that's London with an I, L-O-N-D-I-N, AngelWinters.com. And my website is JustinPatrickPierce.com. And on our websites, you can find all of our online classes, our books, our in-person intensives. We have an intensive coming up June 10th and 11th. Sarasota, Florida will be teaching. So those websites will be your number one resource. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you both so much. What a blessing. Seriously. I'm sort of sad it's over, but I'm allowing to be what is just, <laughs> just enjoying the, the beautiful love bubble that we just had with you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I am forever you. going to follow your work, your your work, your books, however many of them there are, they will never not be in my library. So thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Go check out London and Justin's website, their books, Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love and Playing with Fire. You will absolutely not regret it. And uh, share this episode, send it to your best girlfriend, someone that you are comfortable sharing these very raw and open, real conversations. These are the conversations that need to happen for our world to change on an individual level. It takes 30 seconds. We appreciate it so much. We'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. Hey friend, thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh? touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.